Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Monday edition of the program. Uh, back in town today. Wasn't sure if we would be on Monday. We have been following this Jeffersonville GRC uh, Little League team across the state to Newcastle. And uh, they had some great competition and some great games, but came up just a little short yesterday in an elimination bracket game. That's the 12-year-old division where you go on to the Great Lakes Regional if you can win an Indiana State Championship. And, of course, ultimately Williamsport. Pennsylvania, uh, the site of the Little League World Series. But our coverage uh, there has now concluded. Uh, again, thanks to so many sponsors and uh, all the help from the Jeffersonville GRC coaches and parents. It was fun to be with them for a few days. A lot of future stars on that team. And uh, again, uh, a lot of listeners clicking in on our streaming. And it's hard to believe for Little League Baseball the interest that is there. But we've done this summer after summer. And I always take a moment, uh, it seems this time of year, to brag on uh, our sports fans locally and that they care about uh, such local things. But also, I think it means that community sports still matter here in southern Indiana. There's a lot of places across the state where they couldn't pull this off. There's a lot of places across the state where maybe Little League baseball and softball numbers have declined. You see less Little Leagues at some districts across our state. So uh, kudos to a lot of people locally that keep this tradition alive. And also, um, you know, travel sports are becoming more and more predominant and uh, in some ways important, especially as you get to the older ages and you want to get exposure for uh, college scholarships and things of that nature. But uh, I've, I've always felt, and I've heard this time and time again, that if you're lucky enough to be one of these teams that competes or even wins a state championship, in a, let's just say Little League Baseball or Softball, that's the things you remember. That's the things that the radio was there to cover and that the newspaper interviewed you about. It's not some random travel tournament game or championship you won uh, when you played uh, you know, 13 of them, 13 weekends in a year. It's the special stuff where you're representing your community and something greater than yourself. And so let's hope that high school sports and community-based youth sports and Little League baseball and softball and all the things that I think has made our area so special, let's hope they continue. Let's hope the numbers are good. Uh, let's hope we're able to continue to do the, the extra things like broadcasting the districts and the state tournament games. And so, again, thanks to a lot of people, not just this year but over the years, 
that have helped make a lot of this possible uh, here on the Big X. Let's get into our Monday show. Uh, let's take a look at the show lineup, the service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, uh, we've got some news and notes uh, from around uh, IU basketball and local sports. Later in the show, it's Monday, which means Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join. We've got some IU and Big Ten football stuff to talk about. It's uh, media day starting tomorrow for Big Ten football. And uh, there's a number of things on the docket uh, to get to. Uh, of course, a lot of changes with the Big Ten here recently. Uh, even some additional announcements coming out earlier today that we'll cover here uh, a little bit later in the show with Zach. Also, today is Monday, so Chad Gilbert, the athletic director at Charlestown High School, will be with us. Uh, he's also the IHSA executive board member representing our area. And when Chad is on, we just talk through local sports. I'm sure we'll touch on the Little League. I'm sure we will uh, get into some other things locally. School getting ready to head back. Some school systems back later this week. Uh, others have another week or two on their summer break schedule. But uh, high school sports and specifically football, which gets a lot of attention in the fall, volleyball as well, uh, they will be back in action here very soon as those seasons getting ready to begin here just a few weeks from now. Uh, that's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Again, Big Ten Football Media Days uh, begin tomorrow in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll hear from Tom Allen and Tawan Mullen and Cam Jones and A.J. Barner. Those are the guys scheduled to be there uh, for the uh, IU side of things. Uh, the tentative schedule has Coach Allen taking the podium at noon, uh, which all this will be broadcast on the Big Ten Network. And then there'll be an individual media session with Coach Allen and the players later in the afternoon, and then they're going to appear, I understand, the players in an interview segment on the Big Ten Network at some point through the day. So a lot of the happenings tomorrow, if you keep your TV locked to the Big Ten channel, you'll be able to follow a lot of the storylines and what coaches are saying and uh, learn more about this Indiana team. I'll tell you, I've said this before, but going into media day and getting ready for the season, which is drawing near, that's that's good. Uh, college football is almost back, just a few more months away. Uh, we don't know much about this Indiana football team. It, it does seem that this is going to be a team that doesn't have uh, lofty expectations, and I'll have more on that in just a moment. But practices were closed, spring opportunities to see the team very limited. There were basically none. There was no spring game this year. Coach Allen has addressed his reasoning on that. But I think big questions, what's going to happen with the quarterback competition? Is it going to be Jack Tuttle or Connor Bazelak uh, as the starter in that first game? Uh, Coach Allen obviously will be asked about that. You can bet multiple times in many different forms uh, at Big Ten Media Days tomorrow. And you know, New offense, Walt Bell, the new OC, what's the offense going to look like? That's another question. Um, that uh, I think we all have. And then, you know, so many players were lost to graduation. There were some key names or at least guys you expected to become key names this season. They entered the transfer portal and will play elsewhere. And then, of course, some new players coming in from the portal and from recruiting. Uh, what will the newcomers bring to this team and uh, how can they help shape things 
for the season. So just a couple things to follow tomorrow. We'll have more on IU football today and tomorrow, really Big Ten football today and tomorrow uh, in our conversations here on the show. But I did see Indiana predicted to finish last in the Big Ten East in an unofficial media poll uh, that's put together by a lot of the guys that cover uh, the league. There are 36 voters, the annual Cleveland.com, which is the newspaper there in Cleveland, their website. They have a preseason Big Ten football poll. And in the East Division, uh, Ohio State got 36 of 36 first-place votes, so that tells you that Ohio State expected to be the dominant team in the East. Michigan second, Penn State third, Michigan State fourth, Maryland fifth, Rutgers sixth, Indiana seventh. So uh, Rutgers and Indiana right there as far as total voting go, uh, neck and neck. Rutgers had 60 total points in the poll. Indiana right behind them with 50. Uh, but those two expected to be the kind of the bottom feeders in the Big Ten East. Can Indiana uh, outlast that proje- projection? Can they finish at least fifth behind uh, Michigan State? Um, can they surprise some folks and maybe get a, a fourth place finish? But you just don't see any possibility really above fourth place for this team to, uh, no matter what kind of year they have, win-loss-wise. But that's where the media has. As far as the West, Wisconsin is the favorite. Iowa next and Minnesota third. Purdue fourth uh, in the West division of the Big Ten. Nebraska, Illinois, and Northwestern round out the fifth, sixth, and uh, seventh spots. This poll's been going on for many years. It always comes out right before Big Ten media days, but that's kind of a look at the conference, at least how the beat writers that cover this stuff and cover these programs on a daily basis throughout the season and the offseason, that's where they see Indiana and the rest of the Big Ten conference this year. Uh, Maybe some better news for IU sports fans uh, is basketball. There obviously is a lot of excitement about the upcoming season, but Indiana continuing to put in a lot of work, as is all schools across the country, when it comes to recruiting. And this coming week, just this week alone, there are going to be some really big guests on campus. Jamie Kaiser Jr., Arrington Page, and Deshaun Harris-Smith, who really blew up in July. He got a scholarship offer from Indiana right after that, or maybe even during that first live period in July. The coaches seem to really keep a tight eye on him the rest of the month. And uh, Kaiser is going to begin his official visit later today. So things are going to get started right out of the gate. And then Paige and uh, also Harris Smith in here just a little bit later in the week. But a big week for visits. We'll see if any of these visits trigger a commitment uh, by any of these prospects later in the week or if they're going to take some other visits first before they announce or cut their list or make a final decision on where they're going to go. But definitely a big week recruiting-wise. You know, the recruiting period's over. You think the coaches will come home and get uh, back into the current team, and that's obviously going to happen. But now that the recruiting period is over, uh, a lot of visits set up. And it's not just these three this week. They've got uh, Trent Sicily and Jalen Harrelson coming in right at the first of the month the following week. And some other visits, I believe, set for that week as well. So it's going to be a very busy busy few weeks uh, for the staff because you've got the existing team uh, with these lofty expectations and goals. And they're putting in a lot of summer work. And the coaches have the opportunity from time to time to have practices and off-season workouts with them. Uh, but then the recruiting visits take a lot of effort from Coach Woodson all the way down, especially official visits. And so those guys uh, will uh, will be in a lot of a lot of visits here over the next few weeks for IU basketball. Also, I saw a story from Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier, and we'll have him on 
the program tomorrow, as always, on Tuesday. But he he caught up with uh, Trent Sicily and Jalen Harrelson uh, after their uh, good months of July. In fact, the team was very successful down at the Peach Jam, winning the 16 and under division. Those guys playing up on that Indy Heat EYBL entry. And he asked him about uh, IU's recruitment and uh, just kind of paraphrasing from his story. But uh, they were very noticed, very much noticed the uh, effort from IU in the month of July. And it seems like very early on, uh, a lot's going to play out, I think, especially with Harrelson. As both of their recruitment grows, I think Indiana's in the best place they possibly can be, and you would sure think that a visit coming up, as soon as those guys can make visits August 1st and 2nd, that weekend, or late in that week, uh, those guys are going to be on campus right away. It's going to be, I think, their first visit uh, that they've been able to make uh, based on NCAA rules. So, uh, obviously, Indiana jumping on those guys and making sure as soon as they possibly could be uh, that they are on campus to check things out <clears throat> for an end of the, uh, unofficial uh, visit for them coming up. And those will happen August 1st and 2nd has been the dates that uh, I believe both of those guys are going to be on campus. And one other Big Ten note, this just came out about an hour ago. The Big Ten Conference and the Big Ten Network, just ahead of the Big Ten Football Media Days, have announced the creation of a Big Ten Corporate Partnerships uh, panel uh, that is going to be, uh, per a press release, a dedicated team to lead the conference's league-level corporate sponsorships and partner activations and Tyler Cupper has been a veteran of college sports, has been tapped to lead this new venture as the vice president for the Conference of Sponsorships. Uh, he'll work with Kevin Warren and also Big Ten pres- uh, President uh, Francis McGillicuddy uh, in uh, operating this uh, new uh, arm of the Big Ten Conference. Uh, we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, but two things here. It makes sense as the Big Ten becomes a definite super conference and as we see things trending toward more conference involvement and things probably um, much more involving the big two or three conferences in the country in the future, especially when it comes, I think, more immediately to football. That's likely. Uh, This makes sense for the Big Ten to do. Their brand is at an all-time high. They are now a national brand. There's no question about that. Uh, There's a lot of expectations on what the Big Ten and even the SEC could become, depending on Notre Dame and some of the other schools that both conferences could have interest in. So to see them set themselves up for more partnerships, for more activations with businesses, it makes a lot of sense. And the other thing is, doing this just in front of media days, this is going to headline a lot of Commissioner Warren's questions and some of his conversations with media there, and we'll put this new opportunity for businesses and corporate folks to get involved uh, out in a big way over the next few days when the uh, Big Ten Media Day starts tomorrow uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. So no surprise to see this announcement from the Big Ten. I think we're going to see and hear a lot more from the Big Ten as a whole as far as the name and sponsorships and uh, different things. And so to me, this is kind of just the next natural step in building the conference up to be uh, truly one of the at least two major and super conferences out there in the world of college sports. One other note, I mentioned the Jeff GRC team at the top of the program in the 12-year-old division of baseball came up just a little short yesterday. They they had a really good run. They took on Hagerstown on Friday. That's a game we, we did not broadcast. They faced a pitcher Friday that threw 75 miles an hour for a 12-year-old. Unbelievable. And because of his efforts, that is mainly the reason Jeff wasn't able to win. They were nip and tuck with him for most of the game, end up losing – 
that Friday game 8-4. to Then after losing their first game, a double elimination bracket, they take on Munster, who's always a good Little League in our state. Munster is 11-year-olds. They won the Little League state championship a year ago. And uh, so a tough task. You go from Hagerstown with a 75-mile-an-hour pitcher to the defending 11-year-old champions, Munster. But Jeff able to beat Munster. Aiden Toller was great on the mound for Jeff GRC. Braden Bachman had a two-run homer in that game, and Jeffersonville hang on, hung on in a very exciting fashion uh, to win that Saturday game, an elimination game, 3-2 over Munster. That was a huge win, and then yesterday, just not enough pitching to make it work as they lose to Zionsville uh, in the uh, another elimination game for Jeffersonville on Sunday. And then a shout-out uh, moving down to the 10-year-old division of Little League Baseball. Uh, the New Albany Little League team, they uh, they got off to a rough start in Jasper, but they re- uh, battled back uh, with their backs against the wall. Again, once you lose one, you're in elimination games the rest of the way. They got to the championship and were able to beat Ireland in extra innings yesterday. Very exciting fashion, I'm told. And New Albany, the state champions in the 10-year-old division of Little League Baseball in our state, a big accomplishment. Now those guys can dream ahead about uh, over the next few years what the Little League Baseball looks like for them. Can they uh, maybe get to the 12-year-old division a few years from now? Can they win that? Obviously, they'll be one of the front runners and have a big bullseye on their back. That comes with success. But we did want to give a shout-out today to New Albany Little League, their 10-year-old team, the state champion of Little League Baseball here in the Hoosier State. That's our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break and come back with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. More on IU football and basketball and Big Ten football media days ahead. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Monday program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you've got an IU basketball or recruiting question, maybe IU football, Big Ten football media days begin tomorrow in Indianapolis. And uh, Zach will talk with us about all that coming up here right now. Zach, I want to start, though, with a Big Ten note that I mentioned in our headline segment today. The Big Ten announced just earlier today that they are starting uh, or have created a Big Ten corporate partnerships team uh, to lead conference league-level corporate sponsorships and partner activations. I think that's just par for the course with what we're seeing right now from the Big Ten and the SEC, that these conferences are very likely going to drive the future of college football and college basketball. And uh, as conferences become more important for that top-tier teams, uh, you can see more uh, opportunities for them to get in the mix with uh, with sponsorships and things of that nature. So no surprise with this announcement a little bit earlier this morning. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think the curiosity is, is what form that takes on. It's not like the Big Ten's never had corporate partners before or – you know, never sold advertising before, but it's, you know, the, the, there's all these sorts, I guess, 
when people start talking about sort of transforming something as elaborate and, and sort of labyrinthian as college athletics, everybody wants it to be reduced down to kind of a simple moment, you know, just a moment when the Big Ten goes and grabs USC and UCLA or the, the SEC goes and gets Texas and Oklahoma and all that. Often it's, it's a lot more a lot more of what ultimately ends up mattering is the, the little bits and pieces of, for lack of a better term, soft power that schools, and, and in particular I think right now, to your point, conferences kind of you know, aggregate over time. And, and like the, I think maybe one of the, the big examples is just how much more intimate the relationship between conferences and television networks has become in the last 10 to 15 years maybe a little bit longer than that, particularly, obviously, ESPN with the SEC and the ACC, Fox with the, the, the Big 12, the Pac-12, but primarily the Big 10. You know, I, I was just thinking about this this morning just as kind of, you know, sort of trying to collect some of my thoughts for Big 10 Media Days tomorrow. Um, the... There's one of these... One of the big questions is around what happens to the NCAA tournament if college football just completely breaks off? And, I mean, I wrote something about kind of the effect of NIL in college basketball and the belief that maybe the, the tournament is a little bit more difficult to spin away from the NCAA's control than, than college football would be, and it is. But the flip side is, if, if, you're the, if you're the Big Ten, if you're the SEC, you've got the TV partners to build something there that might be more advantageous even to some of the smaller schools than what the NCAA is, is, is currently running. And so, you know, when, when you talk about stuff like that, it, it can always be, you know, the boring stuff, you know, the stuff that basically leads to ridiculous rules, like you have to take the label off your water bottle that you got from the, the media hospitality room if you want to have it courtside at Big Ten you know, at the Big Ten tournament or something like that because only Powerade labels can be shown there or whatever. But again, it's, it's, it's things like this where as much as we want to reduce changes in college athletics down to these sort of big kind of thunderclap moments where, you know, the, the, the clouds roll in, the thunder rolls, the lightning strikes, and everything is different, it often happens – more slowly, and, and it, like I said, it kind of aggregates in bits and pieces until you get those big flashpoint moments, and you actually look back and say, yes, but this was set up by all of these different relationships and all of these different little nuanced changes that nobody talked about much at the time. This is another example of, of as you say, those big conferences leveraging their growing political power, and, and you know, I think this could be the kind of thing that if we if you stuck some sort of tracking device on this, maybe 10, you know, five years from now, we say, well, that was, you know, that was the beginning of these key relationships that led to some other big change. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to hear more about it at Big Ten Media Days coming up starting tomorrow in Indianapolis. And speaking of Media Days, Tom Allen and a handful of players expected to be there. A lot of it will be broadcast live on the Big Ten Network. So really with IU basketball, so much excitement this offseason, even though the hoop, hoop season is still some a number of months away, um, the next few days are really going to be focused on IU football. You're going to be writing about it a lot more. We're going to be talking about it a lot more here on this program. And with that said, there's not a whole bunch known about the IU program because everything in the spring was closed. There wasn't a spring game, but we do know, according to some folks like you that cover the team on a daily basis, 
uh, vote in the unofficial media poll, IU expected to be last in the East Division of the Big Ten Conference, at least according to media. W- what is the one big question that you have for Tom Allen that you plan to focus maybe your first story on from Indianapolis and Big Ten Media Days on tomorrow? It's cheating that you're only asking for one when I didn't get <laughs> a single look at these guys back in the spring. I, I mean – you know, I know you have Dustin on regularly, too, my sort of beat partner. And, and Dustin and I kind of have these two competing ideas about sort of IU football this year. And Dustin's is basically how do you pick yourself up off the mat when last season was so deflating? When it, it wasn't just that, you know, I, I said this on a podcast I did with uh, a colleague who covers Ohio State recently. And IU football fans are used to being disappointed. That's not new. It was the nature of the disappointment, the depth of the disappointment. Um, you know, just just the, the 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 sort of you know the 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 overall kind of gravity of it because so much was expected last season and it went so horribly wrong. It's not like Indiana went six and six or five and seven. The bottom just completely fell out. Um, and sort of you know Dustin's point is, well, how do you pick yourself up from that when when the you know the fall was so extreme? I kind of I guess see it a little differently, and the way that I do is basically just. That's going to happen, in my opinion, at programs like Indiana. That, that at a program like Indiana, and I look at Northwestern, it's a comparison I used on our podcast last week that I guess now that I'm talking out loud, I should probably check and see if it ever got posted. Um, that, that, you know, if you, if you look at, like, Pat Fitzgerald, for example, obviously he's had a lot of success at Northwestern, and we laud him rightly for, in particular, being able to build something consistent where it has been challenging in the past for obvious reasons, to build a consistent winner in football. But if you look at Pat Fitzgerald's year-over-year record, it goes in cycles. You know, he had a, a couple years at the beginning where they didn't make bowl games, similar to Tom Allen's first two years. Then they had, I think, a four- or five-year stretch where they were in a bowl game every single season. Then they had a couple really down years, you know, three and nine, four and eight. Then they had another cycle where I think they went to three straight bowl games. And then they're kind of in another – they're in a weird one here where they went three and nine, then they won the Big Ten West, then they went three and nine again. The point is, a down season at Michigan still ultimately tends to take on the form of like eight and four, you beat Michigan State, you win the Gator Bowl. And, yes, you know, fans are frustrated and they say, well, we're still not competing with Ohio State, we want to be winning the Big Ten and blah, 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 blah. But the – Fundamentally, you still have, you know, kind of the sort of season that the vast majority of college football programs would regard as successful. At places like Indiana, even places that that have, you know, maybe like a Northwestern, Iowa State more recently, Purdue at times, thinking about the Joe Tiller era, for example, even at places where, you know, that sort of success has become more the norm than, than the the exception, you still have a lot of periods where there you have to deal with some kind of down cycle because ultimately the, the floor underneath the program is just never going to be as strong as it is as some of your bigger competitors. And so, like, it's, I don't think Dustin is wrong. I think we just look at this in a more of a micro-macro way. I think he looks at it more in the micro of – how do you come back from a season that was that disappointing? I look at look at it more in the macro of this is IU, this is the challenge for IU football, is not doing it once, but being able to do it again when you know that every once in a while you are going to hit an inevitable lull. There is going to be a down cycle. There's going to be a tough stretch of a year or two. 
a good coach at a place like Indiana, a coach that lasts and builds something really sustainable at a place like Indiana, has to know how to pick his program back up as well as he was able to build it up the first time. And I think the question for Tom Allen at media day, preseason, frankly across the, across the course of this season and probably realistically into the next one is, and I know IU fans don't want to hear that, but the, the question for 2022 and probably 2023 is, can you do it more than once? Because at a place like Indiana, the likelihood is that you're going to be, if you're able to do it a first time, you're going to have to deal with a dip, a pronounced dip, and then being able to pick up from that again. If you're going to be successful here, you've got to have the formula to do that. And I think the question for Tom Allen is, basically, does he? Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Uh, good stuff to think about. And I think one of the first things that come to my mind, and I'm sure it's near the top for you, is do we have any clue going into this Media Day event what the QB race looks like? Is there a big race? Is it between Basilak and Tuttle? Uh, any insight on that as we get ready for these Big Ten football media days? You know, I mean, Tom Allen has gone on the record with us, and I think he's gone on the record with some other people as well. I, I do expect it to at very least sort of start with Jack Tunnel and Connor Basilak. Obviously, we know now that Donovan McCulley's move to wide receiver, which was kind of one of the worst-kept secrets in this town over the summer, uh, has, has kind of been confirmed. We saw him. Tom Allen has, you know, the, the position groups over to his house for like a pool party one night of summer, and we saw McCulley there with the wide receivers just again kind of confirming what I think, broadly speaking, everyone already sort of knew. Um, and so I think that, not that you'd rule out Dexter Williams, I, you know, without seeing him, I wouldn't even rule out Brendan Soresby, the freshman, but I think that quarterback competition really does very much start with Jack Tuttle and Connor Bazelak, and then it's how it moves on from there. I'm not saying other guys can't get in the mix, but when you consider what those two guys have, you know, I mean, Tuttle obviously has a fair bit of time on task across the last couple years in an Indiana uniform. Bazelak had some real success, particularly early in his career at Missouri. I think kind of some staff changes and things kind of moved him to one side a little bit more than he was comfortable with in Columbia, and that's how he wound up transferring. But if you're going to overcome that, you know, if you're if you're Dexter Williams, who's never taken a snap in a college game and is coming off an ACL tear, you would imagine that what you're going to have to do to kind of, you know, wedge your way into that conversation is pretty substantial. And then obviously a true freshman that's only been on campus for a couple months, that sort of goes without saying. I, I'm not going to promise that it's only those two guys, but based on what we know right now, which as we've discussed is, is not as much as maybe we feel like we would normally know this time of year, it is hard to imagine those, you know, somebody else breaking into that road, into that competition ahead of those two. And if they do, I guess if you're Indiana, the good news is they probably did something really right. They probably did something really, really well, and that's what allowed them to kind of get into that conversation. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Zach, I want to catch just a little basketball before we let you go. The coaches uh, came off the road Friday, or excuse me, Sunday evening. Uh, however, uh, three big visits this week, a couple uh, big ones the following week. Uh, recruiting is going to be, even though there's some development and some off-season things to get ready for this upcoming team and season, recruiting is going to be huge now that some of these big names are coming on campus over the next few weeks. Yeah, and it just seems nationally like, and it's not always this way, but this is sometimes the case. It seems like, anecdotally anyway, 
I see more players talking about making decisions fairly soon, um, or certainly at very least doing what you see a lot of players do coming out of July, which is narrowing their list down to the three, four, five schools that they, they really want to kind of you know be zeroed in on through the recruiting process into the fall before making a decision in November. But I do feel like maybe there's some, some guys, at least some guys that Indiana's involved with, that may be moving even a little bit faster than that. Uh, I'll say what I always say in 2023. I know I think I said this last week when we talked about it. It's easy to forget this because recruiting is very much a sort of what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of enterprise. Indiana's already got two commitments in 2023. They're both top 100 kids. They're both, at least I think, I think Ty Newton's in the top 100 now. Um, you know, they're both high major level prospects. Clearly, they're guys that fill needs. I think they're both guys that have, you know, significant ceilings at the college level. So it's not like Indiana is desperate in 23. But I think there is a world where we could see a lot of Indiana's business if they get, if they nail a couple of these early visits, if they can land another, you know, another maybe August commitment or even just early September. I think there's a world where we could see a lot of Indiana's recruiting business in 2023 done by, you know, I don't know, October, and then you're maybe focusing on one, maybe two guys. You're obviously also really starting to spin forward to 2024 because with junior year official visits, we're seeing more and more guys kind of intensify their recruiting process in their junior year, not just in their senior year. Um, it's going to be a fascinating few weeks, and obviously if you're Indiana, I think, well, again, I know fans get really excited about about you know, late recruiting battles and winning somebody on signing day or whatever. I get that that's, I get that there's a thrill attached to that, but if you're a coach, you'd, you'd rather just have your business done and know where you stand. And it's possible. I think Indiana could be in a situation not dissimilar to that as we get into the fall. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach is with us on Mondays. Back to football to close out. Uh, Coach Allen, I believe, speaks at noon, and then players will join him in a breakout session later in the afternoon. Uh, what all will you be attending and writing about tomorrow? Will you? I know you'll c- catch more than just the IU stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually it's a little bit more convenient than last year that Indiana speaking the same day Kevin Warren is, so I'm going to kind of catch it all in one hit. Um, and it, it is going to be kind of a mix of talking to Tom Allen, talking to the players they're bringing with them, A.J. Barner, Taiwan Mullen, uh, I think Cam Jones is the third one, and then also hearing what Kevin Warren has to say. There's a lot to ask him about, obviously, conference expansion, whether the Big Ten's positions have, have, position has moved around college football playoff expansion, um, where the Big Ten media rights deal is. You know, there was a time where I think some some well-sourced Big Ten and national reporters were saying that, Kevin Warren wanted a framework for that in place by Memorial Day. That's obviously not happened, and I think we can understand why with the the two big additions. But now how are those things moving along? Because at some point you do need to be able to start talking in in concrete terms about what your financial situation is going to be for your schools going into the 2023-24 fiscal year, academic year. Um, It's going to be, I mean, it is going to be the most interesting media days from a conference-wide perspective in a while. Certainly at least since uh, Jim Delaney's last media day before um, Kevin Warren was selected and, and you know, the, the sort of question of who was going to lead this conference that had kind of trailblazed through expansion and media rights and television revenues and things like that. Um, you know, the, the Big Ten's on the front foot here again, and, and in, in many ways probably for the first time in Kevin Warren's tenure, it's going to be fascinating to me to just kind of get 
get a vibe for the room, number one, and number two, just see how robust Warren is in, in being willing to talk about, you know, everything from expansion to NIL to autonomy, all the things that, especially now that the Big Ten is, is truly sort of positioned and primed to be a, a major player, not that they weren't before, but, but a bigger, you know, just one of the two big dogs in the room, frankly, um, what that looks like and, and, and how the Big Ten kind of swings that bat now that it's got it back in its hands, metaphorically speaking. All right, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Always great stuff on IU to begin the week. Zach, enjoy media days uh, in Indianapolis. Not a far trip for you, which is good. And uh, we'll talk about all of it again next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us on Mondays. We'll head to a quick commercial break. Back to talk local sports with Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, former coach in the area, and IHSA Executive Board member, Lots to chat about from a local perspective with him. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert, the Charlestown Athletic Director, my guest. He's with us Mondays as we talk local sports. And, Chad, uh, always fun this time of year. There's a little bit of a lull in high school sports to follow uh, some of the Little League baseball and softball teams in our area. I recapped earlier in the hour the Jeff GRC team, the season that they had, great representatives of District 5 in southern Indiana. Then the New Albany 10-year-old team, they went down to Jasper and uh, had a loss early on, able to have a crazy comeback in their second game to stay alive, and they wound up in extra innings, eight innings yesterday, winning the 10-year-old state championship. So big stuff for those little leaguers, and we hope uh, big for our area to keep community and high school sports first over the next number of years. Matt, uh, what you do with that is second to none. I think that one, it, it, it gets parents excited. Of course, every parent, is in the sports for one reason, their kids. I get that. I'm a parent too. But I hope the kids get to hear the broadcast, get to hear the you know, the get to see the publicity you give these kids as they go out there. Um Little League, you know, it's just a certain time that a kid gets in their life to be part of something special. And I hope the parents enjoy it as much as kids don't kids are having fun. But I hope that the parents enjoy the time that they're with with the other parents on the team. I hope they see their kids having a good time with other kids on the team. And I I just don't think you can put a price on the memories that you create at that age. Um, I'd be curious if you talk to a Drew Ellis or someone who's been to the World Series. You think of, you know, I was fortunate enough to coach Drew in basketball, one of my all-time favorite kids of all, you know, I've, I've ever coached, ever been around outstanding young man, you know, a guy who's a big leaguer. He's in the majors. I'd like to see where the Little League experience ranks in his 
all-time list. And you know and that guy's got an all-time list. You know he's played started for basketball team in the semi-state. Baseball teams have been in the semi-states. His college teams, World Series. Uh he's a professional baseball player. I'd like to see where Drew ranks that little league in his career achievements because I would think they would be pretty high because just just a special group and a special time for kids and parents to be together. Well, Chad, the reason I like it and the reason that we cover it is because it's community-based, number one. You're playing for your league and your community at a young age, and if you enjoy that and you buy into wearing those Jeffersonville colors and that devil J on the hat, then you're probably going to have an interest in playing some sport, maybe baseball, maybe other sports when you get to high school. That's number one. Number two, there are rules. Uh, There are strict pitching requirements, and it is a state tournament. I know that people say, well, the number of little leagues in Indiana is way down, and some of these districts only have four or five teams. I get it, but there is a process and a path to get to the state tournament and uh, it is just structured much like our high school sports are. So to me, it's the real deal. Obviously, the kids' attraction, I think the reason Little League has been able to hang on in many communities is because there's that dream of getting to Williamsport and playing on ESPN. If that's what it takes to keep uh, something like this alive, then then so be it. That's fine. But Little League baseball is special, especially that 12-year-old year, and I hear stories this time of year, Chad, uh, from parents that maybe have a kid involved or from somebody that is coaching about, you know, we missed a kid or this kid, his family chose not to play. They're going all travel ball. And you hear stories about some of the good kids coming up through the system, uh, whether it be uh, different communities that uh, uh, somebody out there trying to get them to not play Little League and go play some ridiculous amount of travel tournaments. There's a way to make it all work and to still be involved in your community and those local sports and memories. So for those people that uh, are bypassing Passing this, shame on you. Uh, I'll say it, go chase your rings and your belts and whatever else you get at some of these crazy travel tournaments. Uh, But find a way to mix in the community stuff as well because, you know, it's second to none. And the the 12-year-old division of Little League Baseball and Softball is one of the most first-class events that we cover every year. And the other thing with that one is understand, Little League success does not equate to high school success. You know, enjoy the moment. Enjoy the part that you're in right now. Enjoy traveling together. You know, let's think about those Valley sports teams. I don't know how many of those guys went on. You know, that was the team of teams. You know, they won it all. And how many of those guys went on to play even play high school sports? Um, If you, it's not so much in baseball as football, but if you see basketball, if you run across a team of twelve year olds. And seven of them got a mustache. I'm a bit on that team with seven mustaches. <laughs> but guess what? The same size they're going to be at 12 is the same size they're going to be at 18. <laughs> so, you know, it, it doesn't – and, that, and that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that what my point is, is success at a younger age does not guarantee success older. It guarantees a good time, and I hope the parents and I hope the kids enjoy it. Chad Gilbert, my guest, talking some local sports here on this Monday. Um, a couple other things I want to bring up with you. 
fall sports getting ready to start up. And I think it was last week or the week before you mentioned what a hectic time this is for athletic directors. School is back. you got to double-check your schedules. There's a lot of issues out there with football officials. I know that a lot of times it seems baseball umpires, that, that takes the cake when you hear how many games in our state had no officials or had to go with less umpires than what they should have. But football, it's a challenge as well. So fall sports getting ready to begin. A very busy time for you and our area athletic directors who all do such a great job. But we're going to be in high school football very soon, Chad. We are, uh, what, less than a month away from the official scrimmages that start the season? Man, I feel like I've been on my cell phone. You know, when I talk to Miss Amy about a certain category or, you know, who's playing that character in that movie, and I'll type in who played it, and it'll come up after three letters. I feel like I've just, I just got to have a meeting talking about this. We, you know... As athletic directors, we may have to adjust our prices a little bit based on the need for officials, based on inflation to pay officials. Officials are you know, starting to require a little bit more money to, to do these games. And on that, I don't blame them. It's not a, the stress of the job. It's having a, someone come to do your, officiate your game when they're coming from Indianapolis. That's a lot of miles on the car. That's a lot of different things involved in that that people from the outside, they see but they don't think about. And that's something that us as ADs, we, we put that struggle in because we don't want to hurt the consumer. We don't want to hurt our communities, our fans. But at the same token, we don't want to price ourselves out. We can't get people to do games. There is an official shortage or something that we hope will get better. I think we will get better and continue to get people out. But you can look, I would say, around the state more and more every year. You'll see some Thursday night football games and some Saturday football games moving forward. Yeah, no question. I think uh, we're in for some changes, some that we – or probably embrace and think are good, and others because of what you mentioned, you know, not good situations when you can't find officials, but uh, that is where we're at. Chad, one other thing we talk about this time of year, uh, TBT, the basketball tournament, and I doubt you had a chance last week to hear John Mugar, uh, one of the founders uh, and director of that event. It continues to grow every year, and John is just a down-to-earth a uh, simple guy that could probably sit around with you and I and talk basketball and his vision for this for hours. Uh, but he was able to join us last week. He talked some about Rucker Park and about uh, the alumni teams and a little insight into why Indiana did not have an alumni team this year but got closer than they ever had. So uh, interesting to see and follow that and the finals of that getting ready to start later this week, I believe on Friday in Dayton, and it goes for three or four days. They'll play out the, the bracket there and have a, a million-dollar champion. I'd love to go to Dayton, Matt. You want to talk about a great time. Guys like you and I, could you imagine just seeing these guys and, and seeing them put it out on the line? They still got gas in the tank. They're let, you know they're going out there playing. Like you said, they're playing for a million dollars. But more importantly, again, they're bringing their guys back together. They're representing their um, school that they played for. And some of these guys, you know, I saw Robbie Hummel, just a clip of him, the Purdue team together. And, I mean, you want to talk about a stroke. He still had a stroke like he had at Purdue 10 years ago, and it was a perfect shot. So anybody that wants to learn how to shoot, watch Robbie Hummel's form. His guide hand was perfect. His follow-through was perfect. His lift was perfect. Just an outstanding shooter. And this guy's probably 35 years old. But it's great to have those tournaments to see almost like a where are they now, and to see the different state, the different styles, the different things that they played. Some of them have a European game to them. Some of them are running the same. If you watch now, Syracuse's beat Beheim's Omri's beat, but they played the zone the whole time. 
So it's a lot, a lot of different things, a lot of twists that come in there, but it's a lot of fun for basketball guys like you and I. Yeah, no question about it. Chad Gilbert, my guest. That's going to wrap up this Monday program. Chad, thanks for being with me. We'll catch up next week. Matt, appreciate the run. Thanks, for, like always, for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. Thank you so much. That's going to wrap up this Monday show. We'll be back with you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Big Ten football media days begin tomorrow. So excited about that. Lots of IU football talk. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.